Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of the Dungeons & Dragons podcast. This is your host for today's episode, Bart Carroll, who normally sits behind the scenes, along with Shelley Mazenoble from the D&D brand team and author of Confessions of a Part-Time Sorceress. Today's guest is none other than Dan Harmon, creator of NBC's Community. Uh, near the end of Season 2, Community aired its episode, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which involved saving the life of Greendale student Fat Neil. <laughs> now, at the end of Season 5, Community will air Advanced Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons and return once more to the gaming table. We're thrilled and honored to have Dan Skyping in so that we can geek out and pester him with an array of D&D-related questions. So, uh, first of all, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to join us, Dan. It is an honor to be here. Thank you. It has to be a very special podcast for Bart Carroll to come from behind the scenes. I uh, <laughs> I insisted. I'm a huge fan of community, and I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to ask uh, ask some questions about one of my very favorite shows. That's okay. <laughs> I th- I think that the the secret to uh, quality entertainment is to always have an open door policy for anyone that just wants to go on the air and uh, become part of the show. You should you should uh, you should feel free to just barge in here anytime you want, Bart. That's, oh my gosh, be careful. Be careful, Dan. That sounds good. <laughs> I, I once said something similar to Bart, and now we're actually married. So. Oh my God. You, yeah. invited him, you, you told him that you thought the key to a successful life was for anyone yeah. to just barge into it. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. He dropped so he, to his knees and pulled out a he, ring he'd he been carrying. Very, very, very literally. So. Uh, hey, it worked out. What do you know? <laughs> and well, here guys, we are now. You guys aren't really married, are you? No, no we, we really, really are. are. Oh, that's adorable. You'll yeah. never guess where we met. <laughs> yeah. Gen Con? <laughs> yeah. Close? Yeah, we're, uh, we were both working here at Wizards of the Coast. Oh. Yeah, so we actually go. had a uh, a dragon for our wedding cake. Oh, that's, that's great. So I'm glad that you could come on this podcast and talk about Bart and I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> happy to do it. We'd love much to invite you over. It's much more interesting than me just going back to my D&D well on Community. Oh, no, not at all. I suppose we should probably talk about community and maybe for, I don't know, the two people out there who haven't actually seen the show yet, just uh, a little backstory on, um, on the show. It's correct me if I'm wrong, but describing it as a, it's the setting is obviously a community college and it features a group of very eclectic, uh, friends study group. And, um, they, have all sorts of they're kind of an unlikely band of heroes i guess kind of like a D party the way that they all kind of are together and have formed a, a real bond over the years wouldn't you say certainly absolutely it's your it's your typical unlikely family uh sort of a blend of workplace comedy and family comedy uh that that, that rare rarely successful type of show the scholastic comedy uh, uh, but, uh, because it's community college and you can go to a community college from any background and any, at any age, I think it, it works as well as taxi or cheers or something like that. Cause it's just, just an excuse to have a bunch of very specific archetypes, uh, coming together and finding out that they need each other and benefit from having each other in their lives. So that's the show. And they typically sit around a table in the show. That's sort of the, the equivalent of the, the, the Enterprise Bridge is their study room table. They're, they all sit in the same chair all the time. And that's, that's really uh, definitely the, the, the point of familiarity uh, across all the seasons is everybody sitting around that table. So it was, I, it was a no-brainer at some point to um, 
uh, for me to to want to see them playing uh, this game that I played growing up. Uh, we are, uh, there, there's already so much uh, in community uh, that plays on the theme of imagination and reality, uh, 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 and which is which is healthier, which is more real. Um, uh, so it, it really this was something I always wanted to do. And I I had seen the portrayals of of Dungeons and Dragons in other shows, comedy shows. Uh, I had seen the brilliant IT Crowd episode where they play D and D. I had seen the brilliant Freaks and Geeks episode where right, they play yeah. it. But one thing that that they that it always has in common, whenever you see it portrayed in TV, is it's uh, it's sort of like the fact that you're playing the game is the joke. Um, it is the, you know, the irony that someone has to play it or something like that. And it kind of, it's, it, uh, what, what I'd never seen, seen before was <clears throat> taking advantage of the fact that unlike poker, uh, or checkers, uh, this is a game that can also be a story in and of itself. And so I wanted to try as hard as possible to, to tell both stories, the story about playing the game and the story within the game uh, in synchronization and spend the entire episode doing both. So, for instance, um, the, you know, they're, they're, they're on a campaign that begins at the beginning of the episode and ends at the end of the episode. Uh, but the and the big plot point in the campaign, as well as in the macro story, is that Chevy Chase's character comes in, feels excluded, gets mad, co-ops right. the game. As we've all been, we've all played D and D in those sessions where the the little brother uh, that wasn't invited insists on playing and sits down at the table and and is allowed to play and starts screwing everything up immediately. Um, and that's sort of the role that the Chevy Chase was playing in the, in the, in the story. And the weird thing is that he, you know, through a series of, 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 of personality, through, through a combination of his insane personality and a couple lucky die rolls, uh, Pierce, uh, Chevy's character does end up actually taking over the game and, 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 and completely diverting it, thereby putting Fat Neil's life in danger. So anyways, I, 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 I just, I always wanted to see like D&D played from top to bottom of an episode without any question of whether or not it was worth playing right. um so that and, and because i had never seen that i didn't feel like i was ripping off uh anybody who had done it before i felt like i had a new a new take on it i definitely think that's true i mean i remember right after that episode aired just the overwhelmingly positive response we saw just throughout our community and then also through the people, like people that are you know, like my friends that, you know, they don't play D&D, if you can believe that, but they don't, but they, they watch the show and then they would call me or email me and say, is that really what D&D is like? Because I totally get it now and I kind of want to play it. But as somebody who, you know, plays D&D, but also works on the D&D brand team, as Bart said, we really appreciated that episode because you could tell it was this episode was coming from somebody who who gets the game who totally who understands what the essence of the game is like as opposed to perhaps some depictions that you might see where you're like you're just picking on D&D because it's iconic because it's been around for 40 years and people know what it is you know but I'm curious about what the response was that that you had received to that episode because I mean from our end like I said it was everybody was really really touched by it 
I, I thought it was equally positive uh, on my end. I mean, it was well-reviewed by critics who said the same thing, which is that you, you definitely do not have to have any familiarity with Dungeons & Dragons to, to appreciate the story. I personally think it was Chevy Chase's best performance in the entire series, if not in his, in his lifetime. I mean, certainly he's been you know, more charming in Fletch and Caddyshack and whatnot. We remember a certain version of him, but the, the old cranky Chevy Chase um, has never been more beautifully uh, used on screen. I think it was his best acting, his most real performances, and, and therefore within the show, like, he, he was used to, to, to his funniest. Like, it, Joel McHale having to pull him aside and, and, and yell at him like he's a little child and him yelling back, and it, it really feels very real. Well, he's got such a great story arc, too. I mean, at the end of the game, as much as he's being a dick, he's also the reason Neil has such a good time. Absolutely. Uh, or else they uh, were just kind of taking it easy on him. I don't think he would have enjoyed the game at all. No, I don't think they would have helped him. I mean, and, you know, this is like it, 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 it he, Neil is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a truly mythical story because you don't going on an adventure doesn't doesn't just mean um going somewhere fun and doing fun stuff and coming back it 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 part and parcel of it and the most important part is the difficulty and the challenges that you face and and we do play uh fantasy role playing games because we we want in a safe way <laughs> to simulate something that's really healthy for us which is to go into dark caves, face things that scare the sh- uh, crap out of us. I almost swore. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and Sorry, you can do that on this podcast. <laughs> because that was one of the brilliant things the writers came up with when we were developing it. And it was almost, it almost took a non-D&D uh, playing writing staff to come up with something so brilliant. The concept that what Fat Neil really needed uh, because he's sort of the stereotype of the Dungeons and Dragons player that we so often see playing out in in media, which is that oh, you're using this as an escape. You're using this to be someone else because you don't like who you are. Um, and it seemed to be true for Fat Neil. I mean, he's he was he was playing this this wonderful adventurous person, and he didn't like being called fat so much that he was going to maybe kill himself. Uh, because he overheard it again in his co- community college hallway. So that's obviously a pretty fragile person, pretty someone who's 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 who hasn't faced um, some internal stuff. And he's using Dungeons and Dragons not to face that stuff, but to actually run from it. And that's only one thing you can do in a role playing game. You can also like like go deep within yourself and get get some stuff out of your system and 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 tangle with it. And that's what that's what Chevy's uh, interference forces him to do. Um, and, and and in fact merges, uh, uh, you know, like Chevy in an effort to punish this kid. <laughs> uses a polymorph other spell on him and makes him turn into the fat kid he is in real life within the game uh, <laughs> because he accurately perceives that that would be the worst thing that could happen to his character. Um, and that, if that's true, that's no good. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't feel that terrible about yourself. Um, but if somebody wants you to feel that bad about yourself, then obviously they're more messed up than you'll ever be. You, so right. you might as well eat a Big Mac and, and feel sorry for a person who's so inwardly ugly. Uh, and, 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 uh, yeah, so, so I, I just thought it was, uh, you know, D and D or not, it was, 
it was some real fantastic storytelling. I'm real proud of the job we did. So yeah. uh, out of curiosity, I mean, one of the reasons I love communities, they're not just good stories, but they're, they're told in very novel and original ways. When you pitch an episode like Dungeons and Dragons or even some of the more dramatically different ones like the Claymation Christmas or the 8-Bit episode, is that a whole nother separate level to the pitch that you have to make? Like, here's our story and we're going to be telling it this way. Uh, well, when I'm usually ones like the, the eight bit episode, like I'll usually use our schedule as an excuse to sneak up on an animated project. Uh, the eight bit episode was, um, born out of, uh, schedule difficulties, budget difficulties. And I, I, I offered up that we could easily make our schedule and our budget if we, if one of the episodes we had to shoot less of the actors for less days and build less sets, which is what that, and, and then farm out the rest of the story to an animation studio in Los Angeles. And, uh, and so it, it, you wait until they have a need that you can solve by making a cartoon. Um, uh, or for instance, with the, uh, the, the, the Ken Burns tribute, which sounds like ratings dynamite, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, pillow fort uh, civil, civil war episode in season three. Um, that was another example of that. I, I waited until the studio network was sweating bullets about budget and schedule. And then I said, you know, what's really cheap taking a bunch of photos and panning across them. Um, especially if it's on the exact same sets with the exact same wardrobes, uh, as you used in the previous episode. It's a, uh, and they, and they, they were so excited about all the savings that represented that um, they barely noticed I was making one of the least uh, marketable television episodes in our history. <laughs> We're literally paying homage to a PBS uh, genre. <laughs> that is very clever thinking. And mm -hmm. that would also be the best answer ever in an interview to how do you deal with obstacles? You could just, that's a great answer. Oh, there's always, there's always there's, lemonade to be made. <laughs> yes. So um, did, did you say that the writing staff for the D&D episode, were any of them D&D players or were they all, they didn't have any experience with the game? The writing staff, I can't, I don't remember anybody that uh, was a real avid D&D player um, in their youth or, or, or at the present. I think, because I remember walking in to the writer's room with a big milk crate full of all my old hardcover first edition AD&D books and, I, and, I, and all of my folders with all of my really embarrassing dungeons that I designed when I was 12 years old and 17 years old and all of my character sheets and just like, uh, you know, the, 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 the melted wax on the inside cover of the Dungeon Master's Guide because I would, I thought it looked cool. Um, the, the, the I, I just plopped all that stuff in the middle of the table and said, "You guys need to get familiar with the feel and language of of this game." And I have to go to the edit bay, and um, and they really they really jumped into it. And they were very entertained by <laughs> by going into this book. So I don't really remember anybody saying, "Oh yeah, I used to play D anD D all the time." It was more just there were a bunch of troopers. Yeah, that was amazing because they really did capture the essence. Really, really well. What was the cast reaction to the, the episode? Yeah, I know Danny Pudi is a player, right? 
Mm. Yeah, I think he's played. Um, they all loved it. I mean, the table read went went was one of the better table reads uh, that we had that season. Um, it was all the more ironic, therefore, that that after the table read, the 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 suits gathered us in in my office to to tell us that had we turned the script in earlier, they would have thrown it in the garbage and told us to write a new one. But they don't have time, so we have to shoot it um, oh because they. It was so funny because it's like they didn't they didn't hear all the people laughing and having a great time. I mean, because they saw they saw the words Dungeons and Dragons, and it's like it's it 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 it, it really like pushes a button on, on people. They start they they start it just sounds like ratings poison to them. It sounds like self indulgence. It sounds like they just associate it with with specificity and inaccessibility um so they didn't even listen to to whether or not the story was tracking and what was going on and how funny it was they just they just knew that they didn't like it well they'd liked it though after it aired they yeah they must have changed yeah. their opinion i would assume so they let you do I, a, a second one yeah, I mean this year, <laughs> this year I get to do whatever I want. So I did a second one. Second one's probably not as good as the first one because I get to do oh, we whatever beg to I want. differ. Yeah, we, we got a sneak peek of it. We did. We oh, got a screener's copy of a rough cut of it. So we just watched that this oh, no afternoon. Yeah, yeah, you think it was? You think it compares to the first one? Absolutely, oh, absolutely. Right. And it's. I loved it. It was. It was different enough. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it was still. It was still. It was great. It still had that. The, the very essence of the game. It was really funny. And again, it was it was tugging on the emotional heartstrings again. Yeah. I wanted the goal became to not in the Peter Jackson sense, but in the book sense, uh, wanted to consider uh, the first episode like The Hobbit in, in that it had a kind of innocence and containment and, and uh, it was acu- acuteness and, the, and that the that this one would be much more epic and have, uh, you know, m- more storylines going on at the same time and more happening, more monsters and, and, and a big battle and, uh, like Lord of the Rings. So the, the, it was, that was the goal was to make it feel like, uh, its own thing. But I, I think people will compare it inevitably to the first one. And I don't know, the first one had, had a lot of charm. So We'll see. Well, I would watch the show if it was just the Dean and uh, Jeff Winger. So their yeah. <laughs> interactions in this episode also uh, made it for me as well. Yeah, Jim Rash steals that episode. It was uh, partway into editing that one. Chris McKenna said, maybe if we get a sixth season, we should figure out a way to make have Jim Rash's character have a have a twin show up so that he can be in the A stories and the B stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was great. And David Cross also as a guest star is always a good yeah. thing. Yeah. So so that um that episode is airing next week, March twentieth, correct? Yeah, yeah. All right, everyone set your your DVRs for that. So I'm kind of laughing over here because I'm thinking about those NBC execs and they're shaking their head and no 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 D D. but isn't i mean i've i've heard that quite a few people in the industry in your industry have a D background and even that a lot of people do credit D with um helping to hone their storytelling skills or helping to you know just for why they're they've been drawn to a creative profession in general i think mm-hmm. that it was 
Dan Milano, whom um, we've worked with before, who even said that D&D is kind of like a secret handshake in Hollywood, that if you're in a meeting and you make an obscure D&D reference and there's a guy across the table that kind of nods at you, you're like, yeah, you get it. We are now (laughs) connected. Certainly, if that happened, I certainly would nod my head. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) I, 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 I. I, to me, it still seems like it's it's uh, Lakers talk and sports sports figures that is the is the secret handshake, and I'm left out of it. But but I but I do I do completely uh, believe and understand that um, that people that end up in the in the creative sector um, have some early shamanic experience with uh, role playing games because. Even before you uh, maybe join drama club in high school or debate or forensics or um, and uh, before you sign up for an improv troupe or 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 or, or, a, or a local play or something in your hometown, I mean, long before any of those things cross paths with you, there's a chance that you stumble into an opportunity to play one of these games. And I think that maybe a certain brain with a certain proclivity for that stuff, um, is def probably experiences a huge, um, surge of, uh, of newly opened possibilities, probably new, 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 new receptors growing on your brain. The first time I, I know it feels like it felt, it felt like that to me when I was 12 years old and this, this kid, Craig, uh, who was who was 15? He was a teenager, and um, and he he had moved to Milwaukee from California, and he had a skateboard, and he smoked cigarettes, and uh, and I think he even smoked pot, um, and uh, and he and he had a house down the street, and he was just he was just he acted like he was like you know a million years old, and he was from this crazy <laughs> state, and uh, and he and and then one one day he invited all of us uh over to go in his carpeted basement and uh and play this thing that i had only ever heard of called dungeons and dragons and it was it is like it it it, it's that it's it's that moment that an alcoholic has their first beer you know it's it's in in that in that scenario it's unhealthy but um you know (laughs) it it (laughs) your brain just opens up like you're you're getting more into it than the other people around you everybody can agree that it's 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 fun but they're they're having fun because they're being told that they punched someone in the face or that they that when they cast a spell there was a tremendous effect or that they 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 got 12,000 gold pieces and they get to write that down instead of 11,000 like they're having fun in a in a, in a perfectly valid, but, but, but relatively conventional sense. And I remember just my brain exploding and, and actually feeling like the, the, the things that were happening in the game were more important and more vivid, um, uh, than anything that was happening in my real life. And I would, you know, I was always the one that wished we could play longer. And, and I was the one who, after everyone got bored doing it, 
you know, I started buying Craig's uh, Dungeons and Dragons books off of him because he wanted he needed pot money. And I <laughs> I would just I would just mow lawns and, and, and use the money to buy his books. And and I had nobody to play with, but I would just sit at my kitchen table in the dark and go through these books. And I, I it, it it was it, it was because it was that that was the first medium that suggested to me how absolutely intricate and and immersive um fiction could be um how how you could have two lives how you could you could you know two things could be true at the same time you can you can be sitting at a table with your friends and you can also at the same time be in the midst of a of a really catastrophic struggle and solving real problems and, and, and risking your life and living in a, in a world with higher stakes. It's, it's, uh, it, 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 I think it, I think it affects the, the way that you handle standing in line at the bank and the way that you handle relationships and stuff. I think, I think it's, I think it's really, really good for people to encounter. I have to agree with that. I think that there's those are some of my favorite stories when people talk about the very first time they were introduced to Dungeons and Dragons and, I mean, they remember, it's like hearing the, the people say, like, I remember where I was when Kennedy was shot. Like, I remember what I was wearing when I first played Dungeons and Dragons. I remember the smell of the, the room that we were in. I remember what I had for lunch today. Like, it, and I just love that, you know, it's the stories about the bonds that you have. I mean, I haven't been playing D&D as long as you and, and Bart have been playing, but I'm still really connected to, to my first group, the first people that I ever played D&D with. And I still, like, think about that one time that, that Marty saved my life. That he like he took damage for um, <laughs> he took the damage for me, and he didn't have to do that. And I keep thinking I would never do that for somebody. And this guy just he just did it. And Marty's because he's one of my best friends now. And I honestly I think that it's because of because of those hours playing D and D together. So it, it really does have such a, a lasting impact on people's lives. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, for me, I, I started much younger as a young kid and I was an army brat. And so when your friends are kind of moving in and out every three years and you're picking up and moving to a whole city, you had D and D sometimes as a good connective tissue with a whole new group group of people. It was yeah. at least a common language that you could all share, even if you knew nothing else about each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the most interesting facets of it, aside from the the microcosmic uh, enjoyment you get um, in in one session, the things that are happening to you while you're playing the game. But the, the net effect of incorporating it into your life in your adolescence is that you actually get to experience what maybe other let's say quote unquote normal people just to <laughs> just to just to play into a stereotype Those boring call, normal people call normal say that there's normal people and then there's D D people um you know they they're maybe getting something out of regular friendships and trips to the mall and watching football together that that is is feels like growth to them um, and it may not be enough for a different kind of mind. And, and I think that just the concept of having intimate, high-stakes friendships um, with these themes of loyalty and shared adventure um, so that when you so – the experience of, 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 of seeing a friend, meeting a friend – and saying, yeah, it's like that time that we did that, that we were out on that 
uh, ocean together for three months and 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 that shark monster uh kept attacking us and the only way we could <laughs> we could we could we could beat it was by you know uh you slowly uh cutting uh, pieces of your butt off and and casting heel on yourself and um and and feeding it to me i i it, it, it just like these shared memories of of like epic disastrous dire uh experiences it kind of it's a simulation of what you might need to be a healthy adult um and and i i think i think it that that's why it's important too just like the the idea of having a backlog of experience even if it's fake experience right it's still experience i still have fought an ogre and won yeah i I actually think that came out really nicely in the second episode it's kind of a small point but the group brings up dungeons and dragons and and they're all sort of giving the impression oh yeah we've played before we we know that game remember the last time we played D &D?" and it just had a nice uh, group feel to it when it came up again the second episode yeah. yeah, they hit the ground running, even though they weren't particularly great players the first time. It's not like they learned to be really great, but we just kind of, well, they've played before. For all we know, they've played uh, three or four times in the interim. Who knows? Sure. Right. Uh, so we skip that. You know, We don't have to watch them struggle with learning how to play. What we do watch is Jonathan Banks learning how to commit um, to the game uh, because he... Um, he doesn't take it seriously. He thinks that he thinks that imaginary games are are not uh, they're not macho and they're not they're not practical and they're not they're not responsible. There's no way to accomplish anything if you're not actually accomplishing it. That's what he believes, and because he believes that, he's he's a, he's he's at risk of losing very real things in his life, like loved ones. Um, and, uh, so he, you get it, we get to watch him stumble into the realization that, that, Hey, if you're, if you take stuff this seriously in real life, you know, you might actually need a game like this to, to get some of your stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is the part where we're, we're going to make you cry. So, All right. Um, not really, but I did read online that, uh, you got engaged recently. I did. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Very exciting. Um, now, does your fiance also play D&D? She does. She got introduced to it through me and she never she never played it before. I don't know if we can say she still has because it's it's really hard uh after the age of 30 to first of all coordinate schedules with with your peers so that you can actually sit down and play for the right amount of time, which I feel is no less than four hours, um, which will never happen after 30. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's also hard after 30 to coordinate moods, to coordinate, um, states of mind. Uh, you, you get, you get four or five, uh, people over 30 together to play D and D and, as we have been trying to do with our young dungeon master Spencer. And it, it, you know, it's, you get everybody in the same place at the same time. And then it's still going to be, well, this person, this person feels like screwing around and this person's feeling very serious and very excited about this mission. And, 
this person is kind of a neophyte and still need it does, doesn't quite understand turn-based uh, stuff and 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 it it, it it's just kind of it's a lot easier for for five sixteen year olds to to throw themselves into something uh, after school going to one of their houses and telling their moms that they're not going to be home until dinner time and just jumping in and staying there. Um, it, it, I, I, I miss those days. I was talking to the, uh, uh, founders of, uh, Kickstarter in, in New York and they said, based on listening to the Harmontown podcast where we play D and D, they've been trying to play a weekly game. It sounds like oh, they're, really? they're being more successful. But anyways, you, you, your, your question was, does my girl, does my girlfriend role play? And she, she has been as long as we've been trying, um, and I, uh, but, but I don't, I don't think she's been getting, she hasn't gotten a taste of, of what's really for sale. Um, uh, when, when, when D D is really good. So it, I have an opinion on this. I would like to hear your opinion. Do you think <laughs> that D D helps or hurts a relationship? Uh, I, I, I can't or see both. how it could do anything but help because really? I think, yeah, I think one of the <laughs> I think one of the biggest threats to a relationship is stagnation and one of the biggest causes of stagnation is that while you're constantly encountering strangers in the universe um and opportunities to do things you've never done before, your partner, your the person you love the most ironically becomes symbolic of the thing that's always there and and that you can take for granted and that it it it's you know what do we do when we want to spice up our lives we you were encouraged by couples therapists and things to play games uh, in the bedroom and communicate more role playing games no less exactly. from what i understand and i don't think it has to be you know sexual in nature in order <laughs> for the concept of changing identities to be helpful i think right. that i think that spending time uh, with your intimate other, watching them be someone else, um, and, and being someone else yourself. I think that that's the equivalent of, you know, a, a, a turtle that's been baking on a rock, getting to dip back into the water and, uh, before coming back out. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a journey. It refreshes the unconscious mind and brings magic back to your relationship. So even when they kill your character and drop a bookcase on them, it's fine. It's just it's part of it. <laughs> well, over time, I mean, mm-hmm, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like all Aaron and I have ever, this is all theoretical. What I said. <laughs> I, the, 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 okay, here's here's the actual truth from my perspective. D and D is a is, it, uh, is a huge annoyance to a relationship because you my fiance has to clean up the house and and put out Cheetos uh, and and doesn't. <laughs> It still doesn't really get D and D, and is sometimes annoying to the other players who are also my friends, and we get into little bickering uh, fights afterwards. But I mean, that's the truth about my relationship. It's not helping. But but I think that theoretically, the concept of role playing, if if everybody was immersed, if you, I think a role playing couple is going to last longer than a non role playing couple. Well, they certainly share a passion, which is important. But but what? Let's play therapist here for a minute. What would you think was going on in a relationship? Should two members of the same party one of them pushes a bookshelf over on another player for no good reason (laughs) why does that happen does it have anything to do with maybe that uh, that person getting into trouble for leaving a wet towel on the brand new duvet cover i'm just asking (laughs) 
Um, I think, yeah, I would, I would, I would not at all be surprised if, uh, if, 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 if impulses that were a result of a domestic squabble suddenly <laughs> popped up during an, an elven summit, uh, 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 you know, in the, in the midst of a game between two supposed strangers. Um, right. yeah. Th- yeah, but, but that's, uh, I think that's healthy. My God. I mean, look well, at all the damage. it's better than happening in real life, I guess. Well, certainly, uh, I would, you know, an imaginary bookcase uh, (laughs) versus a real duvet being damaged. That's true. The damage, (sighs) let me tell you, it's equal. Okay. The emotional damage and the physical damage. Moving on. We've got a couple of, uh, I think, bonus questions that uh, we wanted to ask Dan as well. Uh, So really quickly, would Dean Pelton make a better hero or a villain? Uh, he would, you know, boy, oh boy, I, that seems like a thunder, a lightning round question that I'm supposed <laughs> to answer really fast, but, but that's a really good question. I mean, we couldn't answer it either. Actually, we went back and forth on this. I mean, I think he's, I think he's good as either. I mean, that's why he makes such a good Dean, um, is because he's, it's a sitcom, so you don't want. Um, the authority figure to be purely bad or purely good. You want them to be just in charge and be able to actually swap them for a hero or villain, depending on what your story needs. So really good sitcoms have like these, you know, like, like Louis De Palma in Taxi or uh, Gordon Jump's uh, character who ran WKRP, uh, the, the, the radio station. Like you, you stumble into these kind of, weirdly ineffectual but but super ambitious uh uh authority figures and that's why i was so proud of the dean character so i i, I don't i mean watching him try to be a hero in this second D episode is is certainly entertaining i mean he is he becomes he becomes absolutely immersed and and just has so much f- affection for jeff who is now his father um it's <laughs> It, so I mean I think I think I guess I'll go hero just because he I, uh, watching him struggle and rooting for him is probably more satisfying. Yeah, he's hard not to root for. Yeah, especially in the, in the upcoming episode. So can you t- tell us a little bit about the, your uh, the podcast that you do? Uh, yeah, it's it's Harm in Town. It's just uh, it, it's just uh, me getting up uh, behind a microphone and drinking quite a bit and talking about whatever comes into my head in the back of meltdown comics in Hollywood. That's really it. And I have my faithful, uh, sidekick, Jeff Davis, uh, who, uh, is more professionally qualified to be, <laughs> to be, uh, the star of a show and they and, and better dressed and better smelling and who in the Harmontown universe is relegated to sidekick. Um, and my beautiful fiance and Kumail Nanjiani and, my dungeon master Spencer Crittenden uh, are kind of regular, regular characters um, that come on, and we we talk about whatever. It's very entertaining. And you you took this on the road last year, if I'm correct, with Harmon Quest. Uh, well, what we took Harmon Town on the road. You're going to be real sick of my name by the time we're done talking <laughs> about this. We took Harmon Town on the road, in which we play D and D on the uh, separately from that. Um, and and uh, and we made a movie about taking it on the road called Harmon Town. It's the the movie is called Harmon Town. It's a documentary which is not out yet. Um, the uh, but 
then we're also doing this project um, that we're that we've just finished a first episode of that's not not released yet called Harmon Quest, which is uh, a little bit more structured version of the D and D we play in Harmon Town. Um, uh, half hour bursts of it with celebrity guests playing walk on characters within a serialized D and D campaign being dungeon mastered. Uh, by Spencer Crittenden. Um, and uh, we then take the audio from those real sessions that are recorded before live audiences and we animate uh, 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 to them. So you get this effect that's I think is very funny and very cool where I'm drawn as my face on a orc ranger's body um, talking to uh, a goblin rogue, Jeff Davis, um, as we're, you know, fighting, uh, with a monster in the woods and, uh, it's, it's all the, it's, it's us saying all the things that we're saying while we're playing, but you're, you you actually get to see the action and the, and the damage rolls and stuff. That sounds awesome. Very yeah. Cool. I think it's, I think it's going to be really cool. We're, 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 we're going to do six episodes of it and hopefully get that out to the public and, and then I want to take the reaction to that, which I think will be overwhelmingly positive, and try to parlay that into something longer running, uh, higher profile. Who knows? Yeah, well, no, we're excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, great. Shelley, did you have any final questions before we uh, release Dan back to the wilds? Well, I mean, I could get into more of my personal issues, but I'll probably I'll just leave those. I'll just leave those off the table for now. But I'll just turn them into weird, sweeping generalizations about gender roles. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, our thanks to Dan for spending his time with us today. NBC's Community airs on Thursday night on March 20th. We will uh, enjoy the episode Advanced, Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons. And from the official log line to the description... The study group organizes a Dungeons & Dragons game to help Professor Hickey reunite with his estranged son, Hank, David Cross, as the guest star. And it's awesome. We can say that. All right. Great. Glad you guys liked it. We did very much, and we uh, greatly appreciate your time with us today. All right. Have fun. Keep rolling. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Dan. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>